Hey everybody, welcome to episode 33 of Junior Golf Keys. I'm your host, Matt, and our guest this week, Dan Brodnick, is actually a childhood friend of mine. Um, We grew up together when we were pretty young. I moved away for a few years, uh, moved back to Ohio where uh, Dan and I played high school golf for a couple years um, on the golf team, and uh, then we both went on to college and, you know, into our careers, uh, both in the corporate world. We've got pretty similar paths when it comes to, you know, playing golf at a young age, uh, heading to college, um, and then going out to, you know, work in the corporate world before finding our way back to the sport that we both love. So uh, Dan is the director of the Elite Golf Program at Elite Sports Performance in the Cleveland, Ohio area. Uh, He's TPI certified. He played his college golf at Ohio Northern University. Uh, And then, like I said, went on to work in the corporate world for about 10 years um, before, you know, he and I connected a couple years ago, uh, had some conversations. I had made a move over to IMG Academy. Uh, He had noticed that we've stayed connected through social media and stuff like that. So uh, he reached out to me. We kind of rekindled our relationship, um, really just kind of picked up where we left off, uh, got to know what each other were up to again, and uh, was excited to kind of reconnect. So, you know, we've been talking over the past couple of years. Dan made a similar shift about a year ago um, to focus his career on fitness and golf. Um, and like I said, is now the director of the Elite Golf Program at Elite Sports Performance. So had a really good time reconnecting with him. Uh, we're going to jump into his background and introduction to golf. We're going to talk about training movements uh, versus body parts We're going to talk about the importance of strength and mobility. We're also going to talk about some different ways to practice. Um, Dan brings up some, you know, interesting ways that he grew up practicing and and playing the game that I think are super important to learn about. And so we kind of dig into that a little bit. We talk about pre-practice and pre-round warm-ups and what the importance of that is. Um, So just kind of an all-inclusive golf movement or really just athletic movement movement. you know, with a golf focus, you know, where we're, you know, driving this podcast to help you junior golfers uh, and you parents that are out there that are trying to get a better sense of how you can help your child through uh, their journey in junior golf. So really excited for this episode. Um, and I want to thank you guys for tuning in. I really appreciate it. You guys tune in week after week. Um, you know, like I say, typically every week, you know, the podcast keeps growing. It's reaching new states. It's reaching new countries. I think we're up to 45 states and 25 countries right now that this show has reached. So it's really cool to see that. Um, and it's all because you guys are, you know, liking it and sharing it and commenting on it. So I encourage you to please do that. Um, it really helps out a lot. You know, if you take some stuff away from the episodes, share the episodes, go leave a review over on the podcast platform that you listen to. And you can also follow Junior Golf Keys on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and on Instagram, uh, trying to put out and share some different uh, information on those channels too that are going to you know, help you guys and maybe give you a little bit of different perspective on some ideas for your junior golf careers. So um, without further ado, uh, you guys sit tight. I'll be right back with my interview with Dan Brodnick. All right, everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of Junior Golf Keys. Uh, this is going to be a fun episode. I've got a actually childhood friend of mine um, on the line today, Dan Brodnick, who is the director of the Elite Golf Program at Elite Sports Performance. Uh, he's joining me on the phone for the podcast today. Dan, what's up, man? Matt, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. Um Good catching up with you on this. I appreciate you joining. Yeah, this is something I've had kind of eyed up for a little bit, and I'm glad we were finally able to connect. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I think so too. Um, It's funny. I was kind of like thinking about uh, before we started, like, oh, what are some things that we can talk about? I mean, obviously, you know, golf and fitness and, you know, junior golf, but, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Like, I've had a couple friends from years ago on, and, uh, 
you know, just funny stories back from like the killer bee soccer days. And uh, I posted a picture a couple of months ago of you and a couple of our other buddies uh, out of the nine hole course, no Brook that my grandparents used to own that we used to play at every once in a while. We so I don't know if you got we any styling. fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. You liked that picture. Didn't yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if you got any, different memories or anything like that you want to talk about but we definitely you know played some sports growing up together yeah we did I mean I was even thinking back in Norbrook obviously was a huge um, point of my golf upbringing and um and honestly even through beyond Norbrook and into high school obviously you and then you know your dad was a big influence on my golf game too once you guys came back and we started playing high school ball together so a lot of um, old memories and I look forward to talking about them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So um, just for context, like for the audience, talk to them a little bit about um, how you got introduced to the game. How, how, how did you inter- get introduced to golf? That, that is such a good question. And I don't, I don't know that there is a specific time. I think um, I had uncles that played and some friends that played. So, as part of the world of hand-me-downs, we were always given old clubs that were just around the house. And, um, you know, my brothers and I would hit balls in the backyard, you know, fortunate enough to live in the country. We had a couple acres. So that was something that, that we could do. Um, and I still remember, you know, my dad taking some of these clubs with, you know, a hacksaw in the backyard. And he's like, those look like they're too long. So just hacking <laughs> them off and putting a grip of some sort on them that, maybe looked like something we could kind of control. But even then, this is like, <laughs> you know, fifth, sixth grade. So we're still pretty late by today's standards to the game, even to have a golf club, you know, in my hands. But yeah, I think that was probably it. Just always old clubs laying around the house and you live in the country and you're out of school. You know, sometimes mom needs to get laundry done and stuff inside. So you're kind of locked out of the house in the summer and told to entertain yourself. And that was, I guess, kind of what piqued my interest and in how I, killed some time just in summers yeah yeah for sure um uh, oh yeah i remember you know my dad cutting down some clubs for me when i was real young i mean you know we're not old by any means but i hate to say like oh well, back when i you know started playing <laughs> but you know but really back when we started playing i mean fitting wasn't a super uh common thing i mean there was definitely like club fitting out there but you know, there wasn't as much accessibility, um, you know, or, you know, places to get fit, you know, that were, weren't astronomical and in, in prices or stuff like that. And not really a whole lot of like junior sets out there either. So that was just kind of a way to get it done, hack it down and throw a grip on there and don't really worry about the swing weight yet. Just, uh, <laughs> just figure out how to make contact. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> so uh you get introduced to the game uh through you know multiple different ways and then kind of talk to us a little bit about um just your path in golf that's kind of led you to where you are now I mean I know that you and I have had some conversations over the past couple of years because um, we had pr- pretty similar paths coming out of college from a career standpoint uh both kind of you know come into some realizations that um uh, you know, I'm not really sure I'm, I'm happy with the career path that I'm taking right now, but I love golf and I want to get into that industry. So um, kind of walk us through what your journey in golf has been. Yeah, for sure. Um, so probably middle schoolish, um, I decided that, you know, this golf thing is pretty cool. And, and I think I can do this um, to the point that I figured may as well try out for the high school team. I don't know if I'll make JV or not. I um, was fortunate enough to make the junior varsity team uh, played JV as a freshman, JV as a sophomore. Um, and at that point I was like, this is something I wanted to be pretty intentional about. So I got more intentional. I started playing just local summer tournaments and I don't even know if I call them a tournament. Like, I mean, there may maybe eight kids that would show up on a Wednesday morning to, to play over at Hawks Nest, you know, the local course mm-hmm. that's yep. was like the extent of my competitive play outside of the season. So um, a little different. And, you know, for the most part, my driving range growing up was my backyard. You know, when we got to go to a driving range, it was like a night on the town. Like that was yeah. put on a college shirt, your khaki shorts, like we're going to the driving range <laughs> type of thing. But, you know, I learned so much from hitting balls in my backyard 
um, that, well, one, you had to go pick them all up. So there is an emphasis on accuracy. So you didn't want to, mm-hmm. you know, that walk of shame going two yards over to pick up your ball. And there's a very limited distance that we could hit them in our backyard. So I hit a ton of pitching wedges, nine irons and eight irons, because that's what wasn't going to get to the woods. Um, and I think that kind of helped me get get comfortable in the scoring side of the game um, early. And those are some of the shots that I would at least try to lay up to as a kid, knowing that that's what I could hit from the rough in my backyard. So if you give me a better lie, like there's no way I'm going to mess this up in my mind, right? Um, yeah. Junior and senior years made the varsity team and decided this is something I wanted to do collegiately as well. So, again, not having any real idea what college golf would look like or even how to navigate this thing, um, just being as naive and as I was, <clears throat> just started looking at schools around, you know, the Northeast Ohio area. And at that time, I didn't think I was a Division One golfer. And um, so I looked at a couple schools, not thinking that I would play professionally, of course, and landed at Ohio Northern University, which is a Division Three school in Northwest Ohio, played there for four years. And out of college? The Polar Bears. The Polar Bears, yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> um, out of college, I graduated with a degree in accounting, moved to Cincinnati, worked the accounting world for, you know, five, six years, um, a couple years of sales. And then I guess most recently got to the point where I was selling accountants, which is as thrilling as it sounds, but um, <laughs> ran like an accounting consulting practice, which, you know, I'm not, I'm not laughing at it. Like this is one of, you know, the people that I work for were phenomenal people, great businesses. It just, it didn't, it didn't fit my shape. And I recognized sure. that pretty quickly. And, um, you know, I think I realized that earlier, but wasn't ready to step into anything. So Dan, you know, then took a promotion and moved to Columbus thinking like, oh yeah, this has got to get better. Like, if you don't think this job fits you, you should take the promotion and do more of it. Like, what, what were you thinking? Like, that's so unfair <laughs> to so many people on so many levels. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Um, Double down. <laughs> right. Like, what are you thinking? But um, just got to that point where I moved to Columbus and I was three months into it. And I said, this is not, this is not for me. So now I'm three months into a 12 month apartment lease, rethinking my entire life. Like, what am I doing? What is my purpose? There's gotta be something bigger for me here. And like, it, it got to the point that like a one night I was really like on my knees and just like prayed. I said, look, Lord, whatever you've got planned for me, like I am all in, I don't know what it is, but what I'm doing right now is not it. And if this is me being a missionary and you need me to go to the Dominican Republic tomorrow, like I will be on that flight and out of here. You just got to make it like so blatantly obvious. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like there's that level of desperation. So uh-huh. um, during that time, you know, I did an, ep- or a, I guess an exercise in, um, I think Tim Ferriss maybe called it fear, like okay. fear setting of some sort where yeah. he talks about making career jumps and career moves and just like, it's easier to do than you think. And the exercise basically was like, what if you walked into work tomorrow and your boss said, hey, we're out of money and we cannot pay you a single thing and you do not have a job. I'm sorry you didn't do anything wrong, but this is where we are. So, you know, you start doing this exercise like, man, like, how am I going to pay my bills? I got to do something. Think like I could go back into accounting if I wanted to or I could work at Dick's and I could probably pick up a couple shifts here and I could do something else. I could jump into the retail side. And all of a sudden you're like, dude, like I could make my bills. No problem. This isn't that big of a deal. So what's stopping right. me from taking this, you know, this step? Like it's, it's that easy. If things go blatantly sideways, like you can do it, you can figure it out. So at that point I told myself, like, I will figure this out. Um, left, left the corporate world, um, hit the hard reset. I actually moved back with my parents back in Westfield, um, mm-hmm. took the rest. That would have been in October. So took the holidays off. Um, started doing some remote work, contract 1099 type of stuff in January of that year. And then that summer was just listening to the golf channel, whatever it was, and stumbled across an episode of Como Concepts where he may have had Adam Schreiber or someone on there. But that's when I had my first, I guess, glimpse in this world of like fitness and golf as an actual industry and a thing. And, yeah. you know, I'd always had a passion for the fitness world. 
and love golf forever. And this summer I told myself this past summer, like it's time to get good at golf again. Like time to start competing this just hodgepodge around 76, 77 stuff. Like it's just not fun anymore. So let's be intentional about this. And at that point, um, I stumbled across like TPI and it's like, wait, what is this TPI thing? And read about that. And I reached out to a couple guys just blindly on Instagram, um, premier fitness systems out in Scottsdale said, Hey, it looks like you guys do this and I'm trying to do this. What sort of career advice would you give to someone non-traditional like me? Who's 30, you know, at the time, 31, 32 years old, trying to figure out this new career. I don't have a fitness certification per se, but I've done it for a long time. Like, what do you think I should do? And by God's grace, one guy emailed me back and then the owner called me the next day. He goes, Hey, saw your email. That would be easier if we talked. And they gave me some Hmm. advice and just said like, Hey, just, just get in somewhere, get a certification of some type and get in somewhere and just seeing bodies and seeing the way different bodies move and start training different people, get an idea of what it's like to teach someone how to move. Doing it yourself is one thing, but coaching someone how to do a movement correct way is another thing. So wherever they'll take you, if that means going to like, you know, a big box, Planet Fitness, LA Fitness type of thing, like that would be good for you. Or if you have a, you know, a local small gym, whatever that may be that you know of, like that could be good for you too, but just start somewhere. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just jump in the deep end and figure out how to swim. Yeah. For the most part. So yeah. I, fortunately a friend, my roommate from college, his best friend um, owns a sports performance facility up in Mentor. So I kind of reached out to him and said, Hey, this is kind of what I'm thinking about doing. And I'm just curious, like what a day in the life looks like for you. And I'm, I can't imagine what he was thinking when he got that LinkedIn message, but he said, yeah, man, come on up, like, check it out. So yeah. I got to the point that I came up and was working with him, um, doing my current job just from his office. So I could be around the classes and some of the athletes and just see what it looked like and how he taught the movements. And these are all, you know, we work mostly with middle school, high school and college athletes. So, you know, what some of these kids are doing, what some of their specific programs look like, how he runs the groups, how he teaches certain things. And then I started talking to him about this golf fitness thing. And we both kind of had this little aha moment, like, man, I don't know if there's anyone around us that really does this intentionally. So mm-hmm. maybe it's something we could look at and it pairs perfectly with my passions and interests and the business model that, you know, he currently has here at elite working with, you know, junior athletes. Um, and then it's just so happened that TPI was doing a certification here in Beachwood, like right in Cleveland in November, like in two months, okay. this is my moment. I'm like, okay, like the stars are kind of aligning. Like I took the leap of faith and this thing is coming to Beachwood. Like they go all over the country and I can't figure out the rhyme or reason they're scheduled, but for whatever reason it's here, I'm thinking about it. Like, let's, let's do this. So from that point forward, I got the TPI certification, um, which is just like the best two days of any golfer's life for me, especially, uh, you know, Dave Phillips taught it and it's just, it was like the best two days that you can imagine talking about different golf swings, how these things happen, why fitness is relevant how the medical side of everything ties into it, why fitness intersects and how it intersects with um, the swing, the body swing connection. And like, you're just blown away at how much fun this was to point like you didn't want it to end. So yeah, um, did that and then launched the um, elite golf program here at the gym, probably the last, um, I don't know, maybe it's been, we're six weeks into it intentionally now. Yeah. So it's still, yep. it's still very new and I'm still trying to figure out exactly what, you know, this thing is going to look like, but I guess 30,000 foot view, that's how I ended up where I am. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like for those of you that don't know the TPI certification, uh, TPI stands for Titleist for Performance Institute. Um, so what do they do in that? They take you through a series of um, just, I guess, a series of teachings to help you understand more about the body and the movement as it relates to golf, um, you know, those types of things. And then ultimately you've got to take some type of certification test to pass that and uh, fall under their certification program. Yeah, that's, that's right. There's a, it's like a 16 section or 16 part mobility screen. And it's just things like, you know, Mm -hmm. um, touch your toes. How well are you able to internally and externally rotate and how well are you able to, um, you know, separate the upper body from the lower body. And then it takes these, these movement 
patterns that they find through this screen. And then it pairs it with, you know, based on this movement pattern, you're likely to see an over the top move in your golf swing, or you're likely to, um, you know, probably early extend, get out of posture a little earlier than we'd like to, but it's not wrong that this happens. Right. You know, these are swing characteristics. They're not swing faults. So guys are right. playing with these, you know, forever. It just kind of gives us an idea of, of where you are. And then we can have a conversation that says, Hey, this is the way your body moves right now. And then swing instructor says, yeah, this is what we think your swing should look like. So we can do one of two things. We can start working on your body to get your swing in the points that we need it, or we can keep your body the way it is and the way it moves right now and kind of build your swing around that. And then just that conversation helps people kind of pick a path that's most comfortable for them. Um, knowing that one path is a more intentional like swing rebuild. I need to spend time in the gym and do this stuff. And the other feels more, um, I don't want to say like a bandaid, but it's a little less, less intensive, you know? But, sure. But, uh, but, more short term versus the long haul. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, well, I definitely want to talk about uh, movement. Uh, because I think that that's a, a really big topic for what you do and for golf and specifically for junior golf. Um, but I got to go back to something that you said earlier because it just like, it just like punched me right in the face. Uh, it, <laughs> you were talking about kind of how you grew up and uh, hitting balls in the backyard. And you said something about uh picking up your own golf balls. And I don't know. I just wanted to talk about this for a second because uh, I think for you young players that are listening out there uh, and you head out to the driving range, sometimes practice can become uh, unintentional. And Dan, you've mentioned a couple times um, just being intentional about certain things. Uh, this is one of the things that picking up your own golf balls is one of the things that, uh, when I was in the academy world, we had kind of kicked around this idea and, and played around with it a little bit with some of the students there was to make them do that and, and to see how that would turn their practice time into more productive practice time. And so I just want you to go, if you could, just kind of talk about that a little bit more and like what that does to your focus level when you're working on your game. Well, yeah. So, um, you know, on, on one extreme, the neighbors on one side of us had a like six strand electric fence and cows. So any ball that went over there, okay. like, you weren't going to get back. <laughs> okay. And we didn't have, um, you know, endless supply of golf balls. You know, we had a, I don't know, maybe a five gallon bucket of some sort with golf balls. So somewhat um, limited supply. And we tried to hit him um, obviously straight and somewhere towards the backyard. And there's, you know, my dad, at one point I cut the grass in the backyard really low and buried a flag out there that we would kind of aim at. But yeah. like beyond that, like every ball that you hit, I mean, we had to go out and, and pick up and when you're scattering balls, you know, 20 yards left, 20 yards, right. Like that's a long time to go out and pick up balls because all you want to do is right. keep, keep playing and keep hitting shots. So by, you know, the inconvenience of having to go, you know, the full, you know, dispersion of your shot pattern and pick up golf balls, you just naturally kind of fall into this kind of like, well, I'm not going to walk all the way across there. So I'm not going to hit as many. Or if I keep hitting these straight, like it's just, it's easier for me to go out and pick these up. And then you just, you become focused on the target a little bit more and more concerned with distance being straight because everything in a straight line, like you can go and pick up in an out and back pretty easily. When you start going right. left and right and all over the place and over swinging, now you're, you know, carving your way through the woods, trying to find some golf balls, hoping it didn't go to the neighbor's pond, or you're making like that walk of shame in your neighbor's backyard and they're watching you through the window, come out and pick up golf balls. So there's, there's <laughs> just so many things that you don't realize you're doing when you go out there and by picking up your own golf ball, um, you know, there's a, you know, intentionality around the accuracy. And then we'd obviously, we didn't just pick them up in buckets. I mean, we wedged them all back. So yeah, you're hitting a, you know, eight or nine iron out there, whatever it is, six iron. And then, you know, you're wedging them all, all the way back. So you're getting the practice all the way back and you're just wedging the trees on your way back towards the house. And then 
you know, the driver, you wanted, when it came time for a driver, like that's the ball you knew you weren't getting back. Like that was in the woods for sure. So you better, you mm-hmm. better make that swing count because you don't. <laughs> so it's just, you know, unintentionally and, you know, unconsciously just paying attention to accuracy um, by virtue of using what, you know, you had to your disposal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, for you players that are listening, you know, regardless if it's the backyard chipping around, if it's out at the golf course, uh, practicing on the driving range or the short game, I mean, you know, if you've been listening to this show, we talk a lot about, uh, especially with some of these college coaches and some of the instructors that we've had on, you know, we're talking about really working on that short iron and wedge play, you know, those scoring shots and, You know, I do this for myself when I'm out practicing on the short game. You know, a lot of times short game facilities will have, you know, buckets of balls that are laying around. I have my own little shag bag that I take out there. Uh, I typically pull out probably no more than five balls at a time. And I hit them and I go pick them up. And I hit them and I go pick them up. And I think to Dan's point, you know, it just takes a conscious effort and a more focused practice session um, so that you're not running all over the place chasing balls, uh, but you can really hone your time in. And so for your parents, too, that are looking for ways to, you know, encourage your kids to practice with efficiency and be productive in their practice time, you know, this can be one of those things, uh, you know, they can implement into their practice time as simple as just going and picking up their own golf balls. Um, it does a lot to the mindset, you know, as you're, out there practicing. So, um, yeah, thanks for going into that a little bit for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to talk about movement and, um, you guys had put up a post from elite sports, uh, on Instagram. I think it was, I don't know, maybe last week sometime, uh, titled train movements, not body parts. And I was just going to have you maybe talk about it a little bit. Um, but it says athletes, and everyone, for that matter, never truly use their muscles in isolation in the real world or in a sporting event. Because of that, you should train movement patterns that incorporate your whole body over trying to isolate certain muscles while training. And then it goes on to talk a little bit about, like, you know, isolating muscles can be beneficial, you know, if you're in rehab and stuff like that. But can you kind of just talk about specifically with golf, why is this so important? I... I, I mean, not to overcomplicate it, but when you look at the, the nature of the golf swing, it starts at the ground and works its way up, right? So this kinematic sequence starts at the ground, and then your hips are going to go, and then it's your torso that's going to go next, and then shoulders, arms, and lastly is going to be the club face. So your entire body is involved in this violent movement that is the golf swing, where you're using elements of the ground. So we train that element like a vertical jump. Like there's a very high correlation to swing speed, but someone's ability um, to jump high and to use the ground. Mm-hmm. Right. So we, we train that movement, but it's like, it's as an athlete. So that's not, it's not golf specific stuff. And I think that's one of the, I don't know, <clears throat> I'm not going to go on my soapbox here, but I get irritated when I hear the words golf specific, because I think when people say golf specific training, like the only time you're doing golf specific training is when you have a golf club in your head. <laughs> right. Think, yeah. Right. Like everything else, every rotational movement and the ability to separate the upper body from the lower body, like that's relevant in golf. And they'll show you where it is in a, in a tennis serve and in a baseball swing and a hockey player and, you know, lacrosse and all these other sports where that's important. If you're a football DB, you know how they talk about guys having good hips. Like this is all stuff that, that works together. So we, we train movements. So it's full body exercises, squats, deadlifts, um, golf. Obviously, you know, there's an emphasis on um, hip hinge. So we do some deadlifts and we do some things and we work all planes. So up, down, forward, backward, left, right, and rotational. Because like all those are going to be um, important to the golf swing, of yeah. course. But just like in space, like your body is never going to gonna be just singly isolated when you're playing sports and i use the comparison is wrong but like bodybuilders that are looking to get on stage and do those sort of things like at their gyms like one they are phenomenal athletes but their um definition of success is making a specific muscle not to oversimplify it but making a specific muscle as big 
as possible. Mm-hmm. And if they, if they can do that with five pounds, then they would rather do that with five pounds. Like they're not trying to get stronger, generate more power. And an athlete, we're trying to maximize this performance. So the outcome and success that we're calling is, are you able to jump higher? Are you able to jump further? And that's going to require, you know, generating power within these movements. So how well does the body move together as a, as a single unit, knowing that there's going to be elements of it that, that work. Um, so we don't, we don't train, we don't even have a single machine really in our yeah. gym. We use a ton of medicine balls, resistance bands, um, free weights, squat racks, things like that. Like your body just as it is, is never going to be singly isolated. So we just train a bunch of different patterns because that's how the body works in real life in space. It's gotta be ready to adapt to move and to go left and go right and you go up and down and to stop and to start and all these different elements we, we train. Cause that's how like a day in the life of body really is. Yeah, for sure. And so, I mean, it's really combining the strength training with the mobility, right? Yeah. So, um, like for me, like a general workout for me, like there's going to be a strength element, but then I also tie in mobility stuff. And Sundays for me is all mobility. So I don't, I don't pick up any weights and I spend, you know, half hour, 45 minutes going through just a mobility flow type of sequence. Um, and then a few times during the week. Yeah. I mean, squat, deadlift, bench press, um, you know, there's a high correlation to, um, to a pressing movement with club head speed too. But I don't want to focus just on club head speed either because like there's injury reduction that gets tied to all this, you know, it's a violent thing and these muscles need to be ready to do it. And it can't just be joints that are stopping um, or starting the swing yeah. and just general fitness, like in fatigue, you know, to be a better golfer, I believe you've got to play more golf and in order to play more golf, like you can't tire as quickly. So how well are we training these muscles to last longer? Maybe it means you can hit an extra few balls or that you're not as tired on 12. You're not thinking about how tired you are on 12. Now you're able to get through the whole round without, you know, dedicating part of your thought process to fatigue. You know, there's just so many other things that go into this besides just generating more club hits. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you say that. So I had, um, I had the director of player development, uh, uh, for football at the University of Illinois, Jake Zwig on. Um, and I asked him a question I remember about uh, something along the lines of why do you have to be physically strong in order to be mentally strong? And it's almost exactly what you just described where, you know, if we train our bodies properly and we train them for strength and we train them for mobility and endurance um, kind of to your point when you're out there on the course or you're out there practicing and you want to go a little bit longer, if your body isn't physically capable um, to sustain that, then it starts digging away and eating at you mentally. Right. So if you're, if you're worn down physically, then it starts tapping into your mental strength, um, you know, which can be tough to tough to battle back from. Especially in golf. Yeah. Like, it's need... such a mental game. <laughs> yeah. You need all of yep. it. Yep. Yep. For sure. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if you want to go into any specific. It's tough, you know, obviously on a podcast to try to paint a picture of any specific um, training that you guys are doing. But, I mean, can you kind of talk through, like, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the hips. Um, you mentioned, um, you know, separation, you know, those types of things. Like what types of exercises are you putting some of your athletes through? Um, hips for sure. All the times, like my, my hips were so bad, which I found out through the certification TPI thing when I was going through and, you know, you practice the test on yourself mm-hmm. and my hips were terrible. And I'm thinking, you know, played three sports. I'm an athlete. I do these things. Like my hips can't be that bad until you literally try to, you know, internally rotate and externally rotate around them and how to separate these things. And they were, they're terrible. So I, I mean, I spend 20 minutes probably a day, like just on my yeah. hips. And, um, a lot of the athletes we work with, um, like they've got to be able to move. And I'm thinking of a, there's a kid that he's a, he's a defensive end and just strong socks and 
forward and backward can do it, but he struggles moving laterally. Like he just hasn't been taught to be intentional about his hips and doing this. So in the last couple of weeks, we've been intentional about getting him through, um, you know, just some range of motion things. So yeah. just like hip, hip circles and start moving things laterally and doing like some 90, 90 kind of kick out things where you've got one leg in front of you at 90, one leg to the side at 90 and just sitting there and getting some movement through some of those end ranges of motion and just starting to do this. And, you know, his squats are starting to go up because his body is starting to move better. But, you know, on a more practical level, now he's not just at the end. Like, now in his world, if he can move laterally, like, now he can be a linebacker sure. too. Or if he wants to jump over and play fullback, like, especially him being a junior going into a senior year and into college, like, the more versatile he is on the field, like, it can only benefit him. Yeah. <clears throat> so we are super intentional with, with that, with the hips, um, with him, and really with, with a lot of our kids too, just getting them – comfortable with the full range of motion and a lot of stuff they, they don't even realize they're doing it <laughs> when we do these exercises but um just more intense with him and then just the ability to separate you know the upper from the lower there's a lot of there's any number of things you can do um anti-rotational um, core exercises we do a lot of pal off um presses and holds and you know get pretty creative with the bands where you're kind of resisting the upper or the lower against the other yeah <laughs> yeah i just I couldn't agree more. I mean, I've personally too had some issues and struggled with um, hip mobility and it's something that I do. I do the same thing uh, every night um, doing some type of movement mobility exercises, mainly for my hips um, to open those up. And the the hips are tied to um, so many other parts of the body. Right. And specifically like uh, Mike McDonald, who I had on, who has a uh, golf uh, fitness Academy, a golf movement Academy, I guess yeah. is what, is what he Coach, calls it. Coach Mike Mack. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, totally. He and I have talked about this too, like, you know, and he, you know, posts some different videos and stuff like that of just different hip mobility exercises to do. But, um, you know, his whole thing is trying to help people play pain-free golf. And so much of that is tied to just being more flexible and more mobile. And a lot of that centers around the hips because it's tied to the lower back and tied to the legs. And, um, there's just so much that can be done there. Um, and I think there's a lot of opportunity to improve your game and just how your body feels overall by focusing on it. I just finished a book, um, called can't hurt me by David Goggins. Who's a ex Navy seal, and uh, boy, what a book. He he talked about, and for those of you who don't know who David Goggins is, he has run, he's a Navy SEAL. Uh, he's one of the only, or he is the only military person to go through SEAL training, Ranger school, and I can't remember what the third one was, but uh, three like excruciatingly difficult uh, military tasks uh, to go through and completed them all. He's run over 60 uh, ultra marathons. So he went through a period, Dan, I don't know if you know this or not, but I know you know who he is. Um, he went through a period of time for like four years, I want to say, um, after he ran all these races and stuff like that, where he would go out to try to run and he couldn't even make it a half mile down the road. And so he started thinking about like what was going on with his body. He was getting all these tests done and he had lost two inches off of his height, uh, was in crazy pain, and uh, he, he didn't know what was happening. He thought he was just going to, like, he was dying. He didn't know what was happening. And come to find out uh, just this toughness mentality of him, which he said, this was so stupid of me, you know, looking back, was, you know, stretching is for the weak. And um, so he never stretched his entire life and did all this stuff and his body was essentially just, just constricting and it was starting to affect organs and stuff like that. And now he said he's in the best shape of his life and he stretches and does mobile exercises for a couple hours a day. Cause he has to do that to just get back to some type of normal. Uh, but what a crazy story. I don't know if you know anything about that. Um, I mean, not the story specifically, but I mean, I can tell you too that my warm up now is just as long 
if not longer than my actual Interesting. Workout. Like just, um, you know, 15 or 20 minutes foam rolling of some sort every day, like a lot of soft tissue work and then just some mobility stuff. And that's before I'll even get under any sort of load or anything. Just, I want the body to be ready. And of course now I'm, which I'm told by my chiropractor is a age type of thing, but I've got what he, you know, they, he calls a tilted pelvis. So the left side of my pelvis is significantly higher yeah. than my right. And as such, my lower back on the left side, and then also my glutes on the left side, um, there's tightness there by nature of the right. tilted pelvis. And my chiropractor was explaining to me, he's like, yeah, remember when, when Tiger Woods was saying like his glutes just weren't firing? I said, yeah, of course. He's like, that's what this huh. is. And I remember like, man, like I remember <laughs> candidly like laughing at that when he said it, like, what do you mean your glutes aren't firing? Like, <laughs> yeah. come on, dude, you're the greatest athlete we've ever yeah. seen. And now like, I get it because like, it's so painful that like, at night at times, like I can't roll yeah. over in bed. Like it's real pain. And now I'm doing everything in my power to avoid that because it is the most uncomfortable thing. And I would not wish it yeah. on anybody. The only thing worse than it is the massage that you have to do <laughs> on it. We now you have a, a, a pro who knows that exactly uh-huh. also and how to find it. It needs away on it for, you know, 30 minutes at a time. It is the most uncomfortable, yeah. <laughs> painful thing in the world. So never wanting to experience any of that ever again. Um, I'm just trying to be a little more intentional with some soft tissue stuff and make sure that the body uh, is firing on all cylinders. All the muscles are activated, that there's an element of mind muscle connection going with all these. So whatever exercise I step into thinking about it, the body is prepared to, to yeah. handle that load. Yeah. And for you young players that are listening, um, you know, the parents that are listening, I know that you've definitely probably experienced something like Dan and I are talking about. And for you young players that are listening, um, you know, we're not that old, you know, I'm 34 years old. Uh, Dan, what are you 34, 33, something like that. Yeah. 33. So, I mean, yep, 33. I don't think we're old by any means. Um, and no, uh, you know, for young players that are listening, you know, sometimes, you know, people tell you to stretch and, you know, you got to take care of your body. Um, you don't really feel it when you're younger. Like you don't really feel that, uh, you know, you can't make that move or you're not flexible enough to do it because you are just by nature, uh, your body's more flexible and elastic in, in nature. So, um, I would just encourage you guys to continue to stretch, give that as much um, focus as you do any other part of your game, because I think it's super important. And, you know, Dan, you're talking about, uh, you know, your warm up, you know, being even longer sometimes than your training. Uh, that kind of makes me want to pivot into pre practice, pre round warm-ups um is there anything that you can kind of talk through there that can you know help some of these players even if it's just 5 10 15 minutes before you go tee it up or you go practice you know what can they do to prepare their bodies for that um yeah and i think it's going to be different obviously for everybody but just generally speaking like if you can get some sort of a dynamic warm-up in where the body is moving I'm not a huge fan of a stand and static stretch and then try to do a dynamic movement, Mm -hmm. that being the golf swing. So if you can get um, even just like a few sets of walking lunges with the rotation over the front leg, and if you can get a set of 10 toe touches in, like it doesn't have to be a ton of things, but get the body moving a little bit, um, walk a little bit, get some rotations in, um, like it's just too many kids are obviously mobile enough to go straight to the T and do it. Um, but anything where you're getting the body moving and if you're going like, you're going to look ridiculous, most likely on the golf course doing this, but it's going to, it's going to help you so much if you can get something dynamic. in. so um, lunges, lateral lunges, get the body moving forwards, backwards, even if it's just taking like a couple or three laps around the clubhouse like just something to get the the heart rate up a little bit um, and the body moving before you get into, you know, really those, those first couple swings and even stepping into the full swings. Like if you can, if part of your routine is to chip, like I like to chip a little bit first, I think that gets the body moving a little easier 
before I then go over to the range and start yeah. doing some full shots. So something get the heart rate up a little bit. Nothing that's going to wear you out by any means. Uh, you don't need like the Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka sort of thing before where they're doing a heavy day in the morning. Like we're not there yet, but just something to get the heart rate up a little bit, um, loosen things up and then kind of ease your way into those full swings, either with chipping or with a couple yeah. little half shots. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, for upper body stuff, I mean, I don't know what kind of advice you have there, but you know, sometimes I throw a band in my bag, uh, you know, do some like band poles and stuff like that before I, you know, start practicing and some arm circles or, you know, take a club and hold it in the middle of the shaft to hold it straight away from my body and just do some, you know, rotation with my arms just to kind of get, you know, the forearm and, and shoulder and, you know, those types of, uh, muscles and joints loosened up and stuff. So, um, I don't know if you have anything else that you would add to anything upper body wise. No, I mean, I, I love the band, uh, the band pulls. So that's a band pull apart, which is kind of in front of you. Then anything you can get a little rotation to, even with the band. So work those band pull aparts at different angles where maybe the right arm's higher than the left, left arm's higher than the right. Um, then anything too, you can do to get the, the spine moving a little bit. So get some rotation in that upper, in the upper back and the upper spine, the thoracic, and then try to get, you know, just some, some easy sort of things in lumbar towards the bottom. Um, those can just be basic types of rotation with the golf club in front of you just you know easily going back and forth left to right um and if you throw a band in of course there's a lot of things you can do with the band just basic swing type of things that um you're doing with the band so there's a little bit of resistance there too just kind of getting the body i guess working yeah. up a little bit yeah for sure um you mentioned the brooks kepka and, and dj and you know we're not there yet which kind of makes me think about um you know, how does training, you know, young players, you know, as they continue to develop, and I think that's something that, you know, when we were younger, you know, we were kids, there was maybe a little bit of a stigma on weight training and stuff like that from a stunt your growth perspective. I think that has changed a lot because I think, you know, workouts in general and, you know, kind of what we're talking about here with, you know, movement and dynamic workouts and stuff like that. Um, you know, have definitely become more and more of a focus and especially with golf. Um, but how does training for, you know, young players as they continue to grow and progress, I guess, how does that change for them over time? So we, and I guess taking this from yeah. the, very, the very beginning, parents ask us, you know, what kind of stuff should we would be doing for our kids, like from the very beginning? And we tell every, every parent, the earliest you can get your son or daughter into gymnastics and or dance of some sort, hmm. like do it. There's it's, it's all body weight yeah. stuff for kids that age and they're figuring out their body and how it moves and how to control themselves and works on elements of balance. And there's some strength components too. Like those things translate so well into sports. So the earliest you can get your kids into uh, gymnastics, of some sort dance, whatever it may be, like get them into it works on the coordination this mobility piece to it. They're working on some strength stuff. Um, and mentally too, just having to focus on, you know, not stepping off the white line or whatever it is. Like they're starting to get their body to react the way they want it to with their mind. So the earliest you can get them into gymnastics and dance, we would recommend that yeah. forever. And then we get the kids into a lot of body weight stuff. So we have a couple groups a week of, I don't know, six to mm -hmm. nine year olds that come in and just teaching them how to run you know, what this is supposed to look like and how to get the knees in the proper position and the technique around running. And then just basic things like, you know, push-ups from your knees where you are build, building some strength. There's coordination stuff to it. Um, you know, throwing a ball with your right hand and your left hand, catching the ball with your right hand and your left hand. So these aren't golf-specific things, but it works so many pieces that you need from a coordination aspect that if and when you get to the point that you decide golf is your thing, like, now you can put a golf club in your hand and you're going to have a head start on everybody else that hasn't been doing these things just because you've kind of been unintentionally doing them yeah. the entire time. So you're getting some strength stuff in with all body weight stuff. And we do, we like using bands with the kids too. And then once they get to a certain point where they've showed a proficiency in movements, then we can start adding weight to their workouts. And when I say adding weight, I'm not like, we don't have 10 year olds 
you know, back squats. I'm talking like holding a, like yeah. a five pound dumbbell in front of them, and like, right. you know, some goblet squats, just a little bit different. It, it piques their interest a little bit more. And they've shown the proficiency in the movement pattern that they're ready to take on um, a safe weight and a movement pattern that they can sure. do safely. And that goes for every kid. Like, you know, if you, we get 16 and 17 year olds come in and if they can't show proficiency in the movement right away, like we will always start them with dumbbells or something that they can easily manipulate um, the load hold in front of them to the point that if they can't show us that they can do this movement initially, we're not going to put you under a bar here in our gym because, you know, X strength coach says you should yeah. be able to squat this amount. Like we teach the movement and then you can increase the load accordingly. Once you've shown a proficiency. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that. there's a safety and, you know, precautionary or just a, a sense of protecting your body, you know, as you continue to progress. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you talk about, you know, you guys training with, with people coming into the gym. Um, we're going through something that we've never experienced in our lifetime right now with uh, COVID-19 and, has kind of put us in a position where, uh, you know, everybody's sort of in some isolation um, at their homes and, uh, you know, fitness is a big part of a lot of people's lives. Uh, some people are training remotely and they've got some different workouts that they already do. What are you guys doing in regards to that? Um, I mean, I know that I'm pretty sure that you guys do some remote stuff anyways. So this may just be ramping that up a little bit, but what are you guys doing right now to kind of help your clients through this time? Um, so to current state, we've moved everything. We, we had never been real intentional with remote work. So we never had anything online. Um, I think I shouldn't say, I think I know primarily because we also value the relationship side of this business and working with people face to face, and some of the movements that and exercise that we do, like we don't feel comfortable assigning that to someone online to watch a video and yeah. expect them to do it safely somewhere else. Not, so there's a element that like, I don't want to assign someone deadlift. So I haven't seen them. If I can't coach them through sure. what that lift is supposed to look like, you know, but you know, obviously the times have changed now. So we've moved everything online, but our online programs now are only body weight. And we also have done a, like a resistance band program too. So it's all stuff you can do at home. And, um, you know, we, we coach our athletes like every day when you show up, you either get better or you get worse. Like you don't, you don't stay the same. It's impossible to come and go the same. So getting better every day, you know, sometimes you're going to, sometimes it's a crawl. Sometimes it's a walk. Sometimes it's a sprint. Like sometimes you're flying, but you've got to be moving forward and getting just a little bit better. We ask for progress, not miracles. So if you're at home and you're doing just a body weight thing, yeah, it's not what you were doing, but you know, 90% of your teammates and whoever else out there is sure. maybe doing nothing right now. So you just by getting through a body weight workout. Um, and I think a lot of kids too, aren't as intentional with their, um, some of their cardio training because it's not as important, um, you know, for a baseball player to do some things. So we've encouraged your kids like get outside um, you know, here's a good sprint workout you can do in your backyard. And if you can find a hill, here's a good hill workout that you can do. And here's a little circuit that, um, you can do that combines four or five different things with some push ups, some squats, some split squats, um, still working the core. So there's so much you can do, but you know, you can only, um, like there's only sure. so many things you have control over. And when COVID-19 shows up, yep. it's not something you can control, but it doesn't mean you can't get better every day still. We just got to change up a little bit and change expectations. So they've got body weight stuff that they're doing and they've got a resistance band workout too, that they're doing, um, on their own at home. So that's kind of the, I guess, strategy we've done for now, but we've got a lot of other things in, in place too. Um, just by that same mindset, like we're kind of excited about, I'm not excited about this quarantine. Like it is a terrible thing that's happening, but we've got this mindset that like, we're going to win every day and we're going to win this quarantine. So this gives us, an opportunity to reflect on the entirety of ourselves and the entirety of our business. And what do we like doing? And what do we not like doing? What's the reality of this situation? Like at this point, like guilt-free, we can try and just brainstorm whatever we want because literally, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> like nothing's happening. And every day is like the best 
you know, blank canvas ever. So chalk it up, try it. And if it sounds something like we're passionate about, then yeah, we'll explore it more. If not, okay, we'll start again tomorrow, but we're going to come out of this quarantine with a better product than, you know, than we yeah. left. When we are you able to down. share or talk about anything that you guys are, you know, thinking about launching or anything that you guys are, you know, trying to build out right now? Yeah. So I think on um, the golf side, we've talked a lot about the, the fitness piece of it, which I am super passionate about, but like, I'm a, I tell a bit, like I'm a golf nerd and I'm a promoter yep. of the game of golf in its entirety. And when I talk to some of these, these kids that, you know, talk about, yeah, you know, I'm trying out for this team or whatever it, it may be. And just simple things like, Oh, cool. Like what's your favorite club? I don't know. Like, Oh man, I love my five iron. Why do you love your five iron? Do you think you can hit the green every time with your five iron? Well, no, I can hit the green every time with my nine iron. Nice. How far do you hit that? Well, I don't know. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, hold on a second. So there, there are kids out there with great swings that can play, but just, you know, haven't been taught things like course management. And um, you know, I've been a little bit obsessed with, uh, of course, having an accounting background, the number side of it. So I've been listening to a lot of Scott okay. Fawcett stuff in the decade system. And um, I love what he's just about on podcast. I haven't taken anything yet of just his approach to course management and that it's a numbers game and that you're playing, you know, you're trying to gain not a stroke every time, but you're trying not to lose shots and even, you know, making a par sometimes is a net positive on the field. Um, talks about shot dispersion, all that. Like it's, it's fascinating to me. So I'm, um, I guess putting together a, a, a program now that encompasses all of this. So if you are, you know, a junior golfer and you're looking to go play, you know, on your high school team or looking to get into college, or if you're a current college player, like what is, what should practice look like throughout the week? And how should I approach my tournament schedule in the summer? And now that I have a tournament coming up, what should I be doing to prepare for this? And what sort of shots should I be able to hit? And how do I approach this? And just really, I'm at this point dialed in now on, course management because it's something that when i was that age i didn't realize was important until honestly your dad yeah. gave me my first lesson in course management um and i remember the conversation specifically it was number if you remember okay. number six on the north course so little dog leg mm -hmm. left with the water all along the left side relatively short hole um and he was out walking with us one day and i hit I hit a good shot and i don't know it was 100 yards or so, you know, a wedge in or something like that. And he asked me, like, why'd you hit that shot? <laughs> and I, I, you know, I didn't have an answer for it. Like, it was a good shot. Now I have a wedge in. He's like, well, can you hit the green from 150 yards? I said, sure. You know, that's a, that's a full nine iron, whatever it was at the time. He's like, so the 150-yard marker it is even with where the water starts. And you hit the ball 50 yards further than that to have a wedge in. Um, but that last 50 yards is all water left mm -hmm. and there's those moguls on the right. He said, so if you can hit the green, you feel confident hitting the green every time from 150 yards. Why are you not hitting a seven iron off this tee to 150 yards, playing that to the green, yeah. taking your par and going, <laughs> I don't know. So from that point forward, I never hit anything more than a six iron off that tee. And it was just this whole new world to me that I'd never even realized like, yeah, I don't, I don't know why I hit the shots that I do, but you start thinking your way through the course a little bit more. Um, and it makes yeah. it around yeah, way sure. less stress. Um, so you're working on putting this package together. I mean, is this something, uh, you know, how can people connect with you guys? I mean, obviously people are in Northeast Ohio, uh, which we have a, a pretty good following in Ohio. Just um, I think given me growing up there for a little while and, you know, some of the folks that I've um, yeah, sure. had on as well. Um, but how can people connect with you to either train in person or work with you, you know, remotely or online, or, you know, you're talking about this new, uh, you know, package that you're putting together. Uh, what are the best ways for people to connect with you guys? Yeah. The easiest way is through our website and that's elite sports performance gym.com. And that'll take you to our homepage. And then from there you can, um, sort of navigate your way through the different programs, be it golf, football, 
um, soccer training, and then just general athlete information. And there's a there's a, a form at the bottom. You can just submit. You can chat with us. Um, yeah, and I think okay. it's, it's it's that easy. And you know, we're Instagram number the social platforms too. But straight to our website. You know, we generally respond within yeah, yeah. You know, 24 hours. Really. Good deal. Um, well, I want to be conscious of your time. I know we've been going for about an hour, but uh, I want to move towards wrapping up. Is there anything that maybe we haven't covered today just from a golf fitness or movement or um, just the body in general, uh, being an athlete, anything like that advice-wise that you have for um, these young players or, or the parents that are listening? Um, I would encourage everyone, right, we are in what age, like find your local, you can go to the TPI website and you can find your local person, but if you haven't already done it, like get the TPI screen done. Um, and again, if, you know, if you're a kid, you might be able to make your way through it, but you know, there's a possibility that there's hypermobile where you need to be more intentional with strength training now because your body does move so well. And that screen is going to be able to point out. Um, just where you are with your your golf swing, one. And two, if you're at a time where you can maybe start adding some strength elements into your workouts, and they'll be able to tell you, whoever, you know, your local TPI instructors that you find, what the next best step should be. And they'll work, you know, they TPI talks about a team. We've got a fitness guy. You've got a medical person where if there's actual injury through this thing and pain, and then your swing coach should all be talking and be on the same team. So as the swing coach says, hey, you know, he's got some early extension coming through here, whatever it may be, or he's got this big over-the-top move. And I think it's because of this, but why don't you screen him, Mr. TPI Fitness, and see what this looks like. Like, I've got a hunch. So all these people that are TPI screened, they, we all speak the same language, mm-hmm. which is the beauty of this certification. So now there's this team element where the swing coach says, you know, he's not rotating real well through this. Talk to Mr. TPI Fitness. And start working on this. And one of the biggest things that I've heard with a lot of the instructors I listen to in some of these podcasts is this element, new greatest thing is how fitness relates to the golf swing. And when the swing coach can't get them into certain positions or they can't rotate all the way through, they go to the trainer, work the trainer for you know a couple of weeks, whatever it may be. And now the swing fixes itself just by being more intentional yeah. with the training element of it. So if you haven't gone through the assessment, um, like do it. And if nothing else, just to get a baseline of where you were. And then you can kind of see if things start to go a little bit sideways, you have something. Yeah. Else, I think that's great advice. To. I've definitely done that myself. What do they call it? The functional movement screen. FMS, something uh, like that. Yeah. So like that, yeah. Uh, definitely a good idea for sure uh, to do that. But um, all right. I know you listen. So last part of my show that I've started a couple months ago was, uh, turning it over back to the guests to fire a question or two back at me. So what do you got for me? Yeah. Um, I know you and I have talked about this, I don't know, a few different times in just ways, but I'm just curious. Um, you know, you've referenced that you do a couple of different Bible study groups and they, you know, you have a group of guys that you can kind of go back and forth these things on daily devotionals. Just curious what, if you have a favorite scripture, what it might be and just what sort of maybe, spiritual rhythm or how you kind of work these elements of um faith into your yeah. your days and your weeks and what yeah, you found um, works best for you i'll be 100 percent honest with you i don't i don't have a scripture that i could just lean on um you know that's that's something that i haven't done a great job is just you know and i'm in the process of doing that now um reading more of the bible and uh, you know trying to become more familiar with it um you know, for me, I had actually reached out to a guy that um, was the head athletic trainer at IMG Academy when I was there. Um, and so Jared White is his name. I just texted him one day after church and I said, hey, man, uh, you want to start a Bible study? And he called me a couple hours later. He's like, that's so weird that you just texted me that. And I was, you know, why? What's going on? And he's like, well, I just started one. And um I was going to call you to be in it. He said, but I didn't really know if it's something you'd want to do. And, you know, we've talked about it before and stuff like that. And he said, I guess that's just, uh, you know, you connecting with me is kind of, I guess, God's way of uh, bringing us back together on it. So I got, yeah, I got linked up with this group of guys and, you know, we meet on Saturday mornings. 
we're doing something through a Bible app right now, Uversion. Um, we're just following a plan there. And, you know, it's an opportunity for us to get plugged in daily. So I try to get that done in the morning for myself, um, just a kind of a good way to start the day um, where I can, you know, go through those readings and teachings. And then uh, we've kind of got a group within that app that we can, you know, share comments and stuff. Um, and then we come together and we talk about it. And so for me, finding a group like that was important because, um, I don't know, I just think as men, you know, we need other people to lean on and, uh, people that, you know, strive to follow similar paths that we're, you know, striving to follow. And, uh, I've been fortunate to find a small group of guys to do that with here locally. So it's been good for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah, how about you? Super cool. Glad you that. Um, yeah, so when I moved back to my parents, I got plugged into a new church. So I'm, I'm a leader with the youth group. Um, do that on Sunday nights, and we meet every other Tuesday or so. Um, I had the opportunity to actually to preach at one of the Sunday night things uh, a few weeks ago, which was so much fun. But there's a group of guys we meet on Friday mornings, um, grab a cup of coffee before work, and do some – um, scripture reading and some journaling and then we just we stay connected we just kind of like we just do life together so we meet on fridays but um we're pretty well plugged in to each other throughout the yeah. week too um and then my my favorite verse uh ephesians 2 10 um for we are his workmanship created in christ jesus for good works which god prepared beforehand that we should walk in them and i love that um it says we are um his workmanship we are his masterpiece and he's created good things already for us to do beforehand. Yeah. And all we have to do is do them. So when things start to get get a little sideways with this, you know, coronavirus and everything else, just it's a cool reminder to go back to that. Yep. Like he's got this thing under control and all we do is do the best we can with what we yeah, have. For sure. And that's a win. Couldn't agree more, brother. Uh, appreciate you sharing that with us. And thanks for joining me today, man. It's been a lot of fun to just kind of reminisce a little bit and just, listen to your journey and kind of plug into, you know, your experience and, you know, you sound really excited about what you're doing. And I think, you know, we've definitely brought some value to this group for sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Like, you know, listen to this, this podcast forever. I love hearing the athletes talk about it and everything else that's kind of paired into this junior golf world. Um, it's super cool that, that you're staying engaged with it. Thanks man. Um, giving your Well, guys, that wraps up episode 33 of Junior Golf Keys with our guest this week, Dan Brodnick, the director of the Elite Golf Program at Elite Sports Performance. Uh, appreciate you guys tuning in for this episode. Dan, thank you for your time. I appreciate you sharing uh, some expertise around fitness and around golf, um, around some of your experience you know, growing up and practicing, uh, you know, really giving this group and this audience an opportunity to learn from uh, some of the things that you've done in developing your golf uh, game and your fitness background as well. So thanks a lot, Dan. And um, as I always ask you guys, if you took anything away from this episode, please share it. Please leave a review. Also, make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss out on some of the exciting guests that we have coming up. And I hope you join me next week for another episode of Junior Golf Keys.